The Bible reading for today is taken from the prophet Jonah, reading chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me as we pray for Susanna? Living God, we thank you for this sermon, a sermon that is birthed out of the prayers of many. We thank you for Susanna, for her pastoral care, her leadership, uh, her presence amongst us. We ask that you speak through her this morning. We ask that the Holy Spirit will teach us, open our eyes, change us, and draw us closer to Jesus. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hi. It's really wonderful um, to be here with you this morning. I always love, since I'm often up with the kids, it's just wonderful to worship. Thank you. It was a really wonderful time to worship together and to be together. It's wonderful to see your faces. So let's talk about prayer this morning. Prayer is conversation. It is the conversation that changes us. God speaks and listens. We speak, we listen, and seek to be attentive to God. As we do this, our senses become attuned to his voice and his presence. Through our conversations with God and reading the Bible, we begin to see the world in a new way. Just like an artist, after years of painting, can distinguish light and shadow, perspective and color, it is through daily scripture reading and prayer we come to know the voice of the Father and can recognize his will in our lives. But let's face it, sometimes we are not in the mood to talk. Often, what we want and what what God wants are different things. How do we reconcile this? I'd like to say we go with the all-knowing, all-powerful God's way. But that's not the way Jonah did it in his story. And that's not our own story. 
This is Jonah's problem from the very beginning. In verse 1-2, God says, Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh, and preach against it. After hearing what God wants of him, Jonah runs. He escapes like an outlaw fleeing for the border. Jonah does not answer God with words. He stops the conversation. He leaves. He acts bold and decisive with a determination of headstrong rebellion. And he travels on and on until at last he steps aboard a ship. Alone and with the unfamiliar rise and fall of the sea, he convinces himself that God has let him go. Jonah prefers to ignore God and to go it alone. And he is not the only one who has tried this approach. Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit and hide from God in the garden. Later, their son Cain chooses to live far from God and his will. If we are honest, each of us can think back to decisive moments when we chose a way different than how God was leading us. We have all had specific times in our lives when we came to the fork in the road and went right, when we knew our path verged left, veered left. I first became aware of this tension in my life in high school when I had friendships that were not good for me. How we feel about the first step off the path to disobeying God is different for each one of us. After the choice is made, we often bury ourselves in the decision and try to carry on. Like Jonah, we turn from God. Jonah flees to Tarshish to escape on a ship, determined not to be found. But even though Jonah is finished with God, God is not finished with Jonah. God is a pursuing God. He loves us, and he goes out of his way to find us. In this story, God's compassion begins with Jonah. His compassion comes in all shapes and sizes. The shape and size of God's compassion are often unexpected. And for Jonah, compassion descends on him in the shape of a huge storm, a storm he can no longer avoid. This is the event that brings Jonah back into the conversation. Waves are raging and threatening to break apart the ship, and Jonah looks at the scared faces of the sailors, and shouting above the roar of the wind, he urges them to throw him overboard. No sooner does he hit the water, and Jonah is back in the conversation. He's wrestling with God in prayer. Jonah, Jonah's prayer vividly describes the strong forces of the sea. He uses the same watery images which are used throughout the book of Psalms when the person that is praying is overwhelmed with powers far beyond their control. Jonah knows it is his God that rules the wind and the waves and that God is his opponent in this struggle. Even more frightening still is that Jonah recognizes it was God who threw him over into the water. In verse 3, Jonah says, It was you who hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. God has done what Jonah wanted and given him a taste of the chaos and destruction of life without him. Jonah continues, The currents swirled about me. 
All your waves and breakers swept over me. The water closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Practically entombed beneath crashing walls of water, Jonah understands that this is his last chance. God throwing Jonah into the sea is a wake-up call. Just like when we hear sirens and we know it means, be alert, there's an emergency. For an Israelite struggling through the raging currents, this means death. Jonah's description of being closed in by the grave is so vivid that we can't help but wonder, will he make it out? Even though Jonah's state is dire, French sociologist and theologian Jacques Alou invites us to remember that water is a mysterious sign for God's people. He comments that although it conveys the swallowing up of death, yet it is also closely linked with the presence of the Spirit of God. Alou continues, that which denotes death also has within it the promise of life. This mystery of God's presence in the water is a thread we can follow throughout the Bible in the life of Jonah, Noah's life, Moses, Joshua, to name a few. All these people confront the powers of death and drowning going through the water, which is necessary for them to pass through to take hold of new life. At last, in verse 8, we see this transformative mystery unfold in Jonah's life. Caught in the clutches of death, Jonah realizes that life without God does not exist. To put it another way, it isn't that death is holding him. It is he who is holding on to death. Jonah at last sees things clearly and has a choice. Jonah is desperate, pounded by the waves, life choking, and in that moment he decides to let go of death and take hold of life. As he seeks the face of God, he confesses, those who cling to worthless idols run away from God's love for them. This is a powerful statement. Those who cling to worthless idols There are 18 different words for idols in the Hebrew language. Jonah calls them nothingness. Others describe idols as vanity or likenesses, carved images or shadows. The fact that the word has such a vast meaning tells us one simple fact. They are shapeshifters. Idols come in many forms and sizes. Jonah identifies them as worthless because he realizes his idols are false. It is a thing with no substance. Jonah thought there was life without God, but that was a mirage. He was searching for life beyond God's will, and that road only brought him and those around him closer to death. Idols are having our own way and in our own strength. As long as we can cling to the false hope idols give us, we will. 
If we believe we can swim out of God's storm, we will try. We will try to make it to the shore on our own strength. This is true for Jonah, and it is true for us. If we have learned anything from these past few years, it is that no one is invulnerable. Even with our intelligence and our technology, we still fall susceptible to sickness, floods, fire, and broken relationships. Anything that we can create will fail us. States, institutions, buildings, families, and self-reliance, they will all let us down. The mirage dissolves when we get closer. Disappointment is not even the worst thing about idols. Far more detrimental is that while they stand, we rest on them. While they stand, we have no need to turn to God. We have no need to receive the grace that he offers. This storm is God's compassion in Jonah's life because beneath the waves, his idols lose their substance. Finally, as the water closes in over Jonah to take his life, he discovers all he is clutching, both his control over today and his plans for the future, all of it is dead weight. Clinging to them will only pull him down. At last, in the waves, with God, he is ready to let the water carry them away. At the core of life-changing prayer is this. We let go and we seek God. We release all we are carrying, past hurts, our problems, our anxieties, our hopes for the future. We give these over to God. God cares for it all. God takes our pain and our anger. He hears our impossible asks. We tell him what we want. All of who we are is received in prayer. He understands and has good plans for us and will not turn away. Only when our hands are empty can we take hold of the life that he offers us. In this moment, Jonah does not want to miss out on God's love anymore. Nothing but God can save. Nothing but God offers life. Jonah grasps God, God's steadfast love. This Hebrew word for love is hesed, meaning kindness or grace. It is the love that shows loyalty more in actions than in words. It is a loyalty that goes far beyond what is expected. Jonah did nothing to deserve God's hesed. Quite the contrary. When every element in the story, wind, waves, sailors, even the big fish, are obeying God's will, Jonah does not. He knows he doesn't deserve grace. But God's love is given, and he receives it. Jonah ends his prayer with thanksgiving. He is grateful to God for his loving kindness, and he wants to respond to God's grace because Jonah recognizes that salvation comes from the Lord. At last, there is peace between God and Jonah. God listens to Jonah. Jonah lets go of his idols and receives God. 
This gift of restored relationship with the Father is given to us in prayer. When we spend time in prayer, God shows us the idols we hold on to and gives us the grace to let them go. We can recognize our idols by paying attention to our anxieties and our fears. Anxiety can be an alarm that we are trusting in something false. Anxiety happens when we look for life where it cannot be found. Anything that provides support can become an idol. We come to rely on our jobs, our family, accomplishments, our strength, our abilities, and get caught up in what they provide. Jonah's prayer is a reminder that we must learn to let go of the things we are grasping to receive the life that God offers us. This process happens through a conversation with God. One way to think of this process is that in prayer, we are welcomed into a space with Christ where we take off our shoes that have become muddied by walking in a world of scarcity and self-interest. And let God be with us as we put up our feet and rest in his grace. Eugene Peterson writes, in prayer, we intend to leave the world of anxieties and enter a world of wonder. We decide to leave an ego-centered world and enter a God-centered world. We will to leave a world of problems and enter a world of mystery. Prayer is our time of intimacy with God. Once we are restored, we trust that his way is good. A key thing about pursuing God's will is that it is not a decision we make once and then everything happens automatically. We must choose to obey him again every day. For me, choosing God's will at 20 felt like an exhilarating jump from a cliff, followed by a rush when I was caught in God's loving arms. Both physically and spiritually these days, I am less interested in jumping off cliffs. And I'm busy keeping a watch uh, over others that are walking too close to the edge. I assumed that with years of practice, following God, trusting him would just become easier. But I still struggle, just like Jonah. After many years of moves in my life, I began to long more and more for a home. One home to live in and a neighborhood to spend an extended time and settle down and make roots. In October, I bought a small olive tree, thinking of Psalm 52, 8, and 9. It is a symbol for me that when I'm trusting in God is when I can flourish and when I can give gratitude to him. A month later, David and I got the news that the landlord was selling our house. And I felt hopeless and angry at God because it felt like he was not taking care of us. And I could not have the stability that I so longed for. But most of, the, most of all, I didn't want to move. I didn't want to change. And I told God how I felt. I was anxious and I was upset. Sometime since then, when I was grumbling about it to God, he answered me. And if, this, and if it is my will that you should move? When he said that, it made me pause. And ultimately, it gave me peace. It gave me peace because I knew that God was still in charge of my life. And he had a good plan for me and my family. 
It gave me peace because I knew the only stability I could ever have was in him alone, not in a house. Even good things like stability can become idols. Nothing but God can save. Nothing but God offers life. As we end together, let's pray. Let's let go and seek God. So please pray with me. Father, we love to be in your presence. We acknowledge all that you have done, Lord, that you have created this beautiful city with its mountains and its forests, with a large ocean. We thank you for this city, that you are here present with us. We know that you have brought us, each of us, from different corners of the earth, that you have given us to each other in this community. You have given us families and friends. You have a plan for each one of us. And you have been faithful to us, Lord. You have given us this place in this time. We acknowledge that sometimes we hold on to other things, God. We have anxieties. We have worries. We, there are things we don't know how they're going to work out. We have things that we trust in. Lord, we pray in this moment you will give us clarity of what that is, Lord. Father, you know what we're holding, and we release it to you, Lord. We release it into your waters that wash it away. We give into your hands, God, our hopes, our concerns, our friends, our families, our jobs, our plans. Lord, we offer it all to you. And Father, we open our hands to receive what you have for us today. We receive your grace, Father. Christ, thank you that you have extended your grace to us and given us new life. And we receive that. We thank you that salvation comes from the Lord. We thank you that you are with us, that you have never forsaken us, even under the waves, even in death, you are with Jonah. Christ passed through death to bring us into new life. Thank you, God, that you did that for us. Thank you that we can never go anywhere where your spirit will not be. Thank you that you have a good plan for each one of us, that you are faithful, and that you will complete it. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.